Hey guys, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. So chapter 13 continues with Surah Yusuf. We left off with the Prophet Yusuf's story. The Prophet whose brothers threw him in the well and he was sold by a caravan to a rich man in Egypt. His stepmom tried seducing him and threw him in jail where he stayed for a long period of time. So now we're at the part where the king wants Yusuf out of jail for helping him interpret his dream about the cows. And before Yusuf is released, he asks that his case be looked at. Prophet Yusuf knew that if he was going to spread the message of Allah, he had to have a clean image. No one would take him seriously if his accusations with the chief's wife was true. And so the wife confessed to the king and Yusuf was set free with a clean slate. How difficult do you think it was for Yusuf to make all these decisions? He could have easily fallen into zina with his stepmom and just asked Allah for forgiveness. He could have easily used his dad's name to get special treatment. After all, his father was a prophet. He chose prison over committing a haram act. He was so strong. This is why Allah says the best type of jihad is a jihad with yourself. Jihad is any struggle for the sake of Allah. So usually people think of jihad as only going to war for the sake of Allah. It's not. It's any struggle for the sake of Allah. And the biggest struggle any person can have is with themselves. Controlling themselves, their desires, doing the right thing. So now the king was impressed with Yusuf. So he told him, okay, now you work for me. You are now a trusted part of my inner circle. The king put him in charge of all the resources of Egypt. In fact, the king trusted him so much, he was basically king at that point. Look where Yusuf started, how bad his childhood was, how much struggle he went through, but it was all for a reason. All those bad things taught Prophet Yusuf the skills and knowledge he needed to be able to become king one day. This is why you must look at the bigger picture. The moment you accept that every bad thing that's happened to you, your terrible childhood, bad parents, poverty growing up, the physical abuse you've had, the loved ones you've lost, all of it might seem bad on the outside, but Allah did all of those things to lead you somewhere great. So don't feel sad about your crappy, difficult life. Don't be upset that Allah doesn't love you. He is preparing you for something huge. So years later, after becoming a ruler, Yusuf's brothers come to Egypt because they heard about a merciful king who could help them with their food shortage. The brothers didn't recognize Yusuf at all, but Yusuf recognized them. So the brothers told Yusuf, we have this many people in our family and we need this much food. So Yusuf told him, you know what, I can definitely help you out, but I want you to bring your younger brother here so that I know you're not lying about how many people are actually in your family. So he told him, come back with your brother and then I'll give you the food. So the brothers actually brought money to purchase the food from the king, whatever little that they had. And before the brothers went back, Yusuf told his servants to secretly put the money the brothers gave him back inside their bags so that when they got home, they'll be surprised that I was so nice to them. And then they'll definitely come back. Because obviously Yusuf wanted his brothers to come back with his younger brother so he could do the big reveal. The brothers went back and told their dad, hey, the king told us he will give us the food if we take Benjamin, that's their younger brother, with them. And obviously the dad was like, you really think I'm gonna trust you after what happened with Yusuf? The brothers then found the money Yusuf secretly put in the bag and they said, look dad, this is a good sign. Let Benjamin go with us so that we can return with the food. It's been many, many years since the dad lost Yusuf. So he thought, you know what? Maybe he can give them another chance. He has no other choice since they don't have any food. So he tells them, if you want me to let Benjamin go with you, then swear on Allah right now that you will keep him safe. He told them it's not safe to travel as a group, otherwise people will think you're a gang. So he advised them to enter Egypt separately. Prophet Yaqub knew there's only so much he can do in order to keep his son safe. We pray and make dua, right? We read Quran and recite the surahs to keep ourselves safe, but we still get into accidents. We still get afflicted with magic and hit with other bad stuff. Why? Shouldn't all these things protect us against all harm? Yes, they do, but 
it doesn't save you from Allah's plan. If it is part of Allah's plan that you get into a car accident, then nothing can save you. Again, you have to do your part, do your best, do everything that you can to protect yourself, tie your camel, and then leave the rest up to Allah. Trust Allah and accept whatever happens. You can have the best security system installed in your home, have bodyguards all outside. You won't be 100% protected unless you have Allah's protection. So the three brothers swore on Allah to keep Benjamin safe, and so they headed back to Egypt. They brought Benjamin to the king, still not knowing that the king was actually Yusuf. And so Yusuf secretly took Benjamin to the side and told him, Hey, I'm actually your brother, Yusuf. Don't feel bad about the way they've been treating you. They did the same thing to me. Don't worry though, I'll take care of you. So before heading back, Yusuf had his gold cup secretly put in their bags. He had a plan. As they were leaving, Yusuf's servant said, Wait, you guys are thieves. Who took the king's golden cup? They obviously had no idea and said they were innocent. The servants asked, Are you sure? And what will be the punishment then if you're lying? So the brothers said that the punishment of their land is that whoever has stolen the item, that they become a slave of that person for one year. So the servants looked for the golden cup within their belongings and inside Benjamin's bag, they found the cup. Now obviously the whole purpose of this was so that Prophet Yusuf could keep his brother Benjamin with him. Because he couldn't just ask him to stay, otherwise his brothers would have found out who Yusuf was. And you couldn't just demand to keep him since that's illegal. <laughs> so he devised this plan with Allah's help, that the cup would be found in Benjamin's bag and now he will be required to stay with Yusuf in Egypt for one year. So this was Yusuf's plan and the two brothers went back to tell their dad who was furious that they had lost another brother. He cried so much that he went blind. So he told his sons, go back and bring back both my sons. He was so emotional that he said, you know, Yusuf too, without the brothers knowing if Yusuf was alive or not. So the brothers went back to the king and told him, Hey, our family is in financial trouble. Can you please help us out? And so Yusuf asked them out of nowhere, Do you remember what you did to Yusuf? And so they were shocked as to like, how did this man know? So they asked him, Are you Yusuf? He said, Yes, I am. And this is my brother, Benjamin. He tells them, Allah always rewards those who are patient during hardships. So yeah, his brothers were really embarrassed and asked for forgiveness. Yusuf told them, It's fine. May Allah forgive you because he is the most merciful of all. He could have easily taken revenge. Who wouldn't in this situation? But look at the character of the Prophet, peace be upon him. That even after all of this, he not only forgave them, but he also asked Allah to forgive his brothers. Yusuf tells his brothers, take the shirt of mine and put it over my dad's face so that he can see again. And then I want all of you to come back here. So they went, put the shirt on the dad's face and brought his eyesight back. Prophet Yaqub could smell Yusuf's smell from the shirt. Both the brothers asked their dad to forgive them. And the dad said, I'll pray that Allah forgives you. So the whole family comes to Egypt and Prophet Yusuf is obviously very happy. His family bowed down to him out of respect, which at that time was allowed, but obviously now it's not. And he tells his dad, Dad, look, remember that dream that I had of the sun and moon and the stars bowing down? That was it. His family bowing down to him was the dream. And what's crazy is, you know, instead of showing off all that he had achieved or, you know, like even whining about all the bad that's happened to him, you know, since his brothers threw him in the well, he said, Dad, Allah took such great care of me. He helped me achieve so much. The Prophet was so humble and so grateful to Allah. Now that's character. Look at where Yusuf started. So much hardship and pain. One bad thing after another and look where he is now. He has everything. Money, power, a kingdom, his family. He kept patient and trusted Allah. And look what happened. He was rewarded greatly. So that's where the story of Yusuf ends. And if you guys forgot, Allah revealed the story because the people of Quraysh put the Prophet on the spot to see if he actually knew this story or was he just going to ask a Jew or a historian. And Allah told him, this is the full story. They now knew more about the story than even their own Jewish historians didn't know. 
All of these stories that we just went over of all the prophets, they aren't just told for fun or entertainment. They are told so that we can confirm the true history of all the prophets, since the Jews and Christians have changed these stories. And also so we can learn from them and apply them in our own lives. So this is where Surah Yusuf ends and the chapter continues with Surah Ar-Rad. So this surah begins by stating again that the Quran is a divine book sent by Allah, not by a human. Allah is the one who created the universe himself as a test for us and alone does Allah control this universe. So our worship should only be to Allah alone. Allah created such a perfect universe for us, a perfect system of day and night, different fruits and vegetables, mountains and oceans. Everything that we enjoy today came from Allah's design. You should reflect, like really sit down in a park or drive to a beach and just stare at Allah's creation. Reflect and ask yourself, do you really think all of this happened by random? Those who still deny these signs, they have bought a first class ticket to hell. Allah tells us how he has guardians, well angels basically, protecting over everyone, in front and behind them, who guide a person on Allah's commands. Allah protects when he wants and punishes when he wants. A very famous verse, Allah will not change a person's situation unless they change themselves. Meaning, we can beg and cry all we want for Allah to help us, but Allah won't help us if we aren't putting in the effort, if we aren't praying or doing what we need to. You're crying that you're in trouble to Allah, but you don't want to give up drinking. You don't want to start praying. You want to put the least amount of work in and get the most back. Well, that's technically cheating. So that's why Allah says, change yourself first and then I'll change your circumstances. Allah causes lightning to strike. The sound of thunder is an announcement. It's praise to Allah's might. Even the angels make zikr to Allah in amazement to Allah's power. That's what ra'ad means, thunder. It is said that Allah strikes the ignorant with lightning, meaning anytime in any place, a person could die. Everything bows down to Allah. A non-believer might not be bowing down, but even his shadow bows down. Crazy, right? Your shadow is always bowing down from the way the sun is angled. Allah says those who listen to Allah's call, they will be blessed beyond their imagination. But those who ignore Allah's call and don't take it seriously, they will regret it. On the day of judgment, they will offer every excuse. They will offer everything that they have, beg and beg to be given another chance, but it'll be too late. Do you know how easily Allah forgives the believers? The people who are conscious of Allah? It is said that any pain that we have, even a prick from a rose thorn, Allah wipes away a tiny sin. How many times have you stubbed your toe? Allah wipes away your sin. You're sick? Same thing. These are all ways Allah accounts for your bad deeds. You either get your bad deeds wiped away from your good actions, or Allah wipes them away with these types of things. This is why you should be patient. Allah rewards the people who are patient. So let whatever hardship that you're in right now wipe away your sins for you. Don't you want to pay for them now through sickness or would you rather pay for them on the day of judgment? And there's two different types of patience, regular patience and beautiful patience. One is where you're waiting, but you're so restless, you're so angry and so ugh. Beautiful patience is that you're smiling, you're still happy, you're even enjoying the hardship. Allah says, the people who are patient, those who have self-control over their desires, the people who are always thinking about Allah in different ways to make them happy, those who are good with their salah, who pray on time and enjoy praying, those who give charity, openly and secretly, and those who keep good relationships with people. Allah says those people will have the ultimate reward. They will have everything that they want in this world and the hereafter. They will have the strength to get through any problem. They will have the peace and happiness to not get anxious over small or big problems. Isn't that what we all want? To be happy? Well, this is how. This is the only guaranteed way. There is no other way to happiness. This is it. Everything else is just fake happiness, temporary happiness. This is true happiness. So this is where Surah Ar-Rad ends. Yep, short surah. And chapter 13 continues with Surah Ibrahim. So this surah starts off by stating that 
O Prophet Muhammad this book was sent down to you so that you can help the people find their way out of ignorance and into the light, towards Allah, the most powerful, the most praiseworthy, the owner of the universe. So it might seem like many of these messages are repeating itself, and you have to realize that all these surahs were not released at one time, so people aren't going through all of them in one sitting. These surahs and verses were revealed over a huge period of time. So of course after a year, you're gonna have to remind the people again that hey, you're still not listening, you still need to change. Again, there is this warning that there is a very painful punishment for those who ignore this message, for those who care more about the success in this life than the hereafter. Have you not learned your lesson from all the stories of the previous prophets? How their people were warned and given so many signs, yet they were just too stubborn and they were wiped away. Allah reminds the people, be thankful because the more you give thanks, the more I give you. So learn to be thankful, especially in hard times. It's so easy to become unthankful. So remind yourself when something bad happens, that this happened because Allah wanted to happen, that Allah thought this was the best for you. Even when you stub your toe on the table, just say Alhamdulillah, Allah will love you so much and reward you for being appreciative on these small little things. But people again would wonder, why did God choose you people and not us? What's so special about you people? You're so normal and basic. The answer to that question is simply that Allah decides who He blesses and who He doesn't. The Jews were favored before and now the Muslims are favored. It's completely up to Allah. Allah says that those who disbelieve, their deeds will be like ashes. With one tiny wind, they'll be blown away. Meaning their deeds will be worthless if they don't believe in Allah. On the day of judgment, everyone will want to blame shaitan. Shaitan will say, whatever Allah promised you and warned you about, it's true. But whatever I promised you, I was just lying. But I didn't force you, you wanted to follow me. So don't blame me, I can't help you now. You're on your own, buddy. Shaitan will make every haram act seem fun and innocent. He'll make you think, oh, it's okay, you're young, you can repent later, everyone is doing it. Shaitan will persuade you in the most beautiful way. But wake up, people, have some self-control. Ask Allah to help you control your desires and fight the shaitan. Allah says, do you want stability in life? Do you want the strength to get through all your problems? Then rely on Allah. Ask Allah and remember Allah. Again, don't think that just because others are living such a happy life, sinning and doing whatever they want, that you'll also be able to get away with it. No, you have no idea what they're dealing with behind closed doors and you have no idea what kind of problems are coming their way. Allah talks about how important Salah is because it is the foundation of your entire Iman. People have no idea how bad it is not to pray, to miss a Salah without any guilt. This is what destroys our lives and keeps us drowning in our problems. You might be God conscious and perform the best good deeds, but if you aren't praying, then all those good deeds have nowhere to stand on because that foundation isn't there. Allah tells us He always hears our duas, but just because He doesn't give us what we want right away, we shouldn't get upset. Prophet Ibrahim wanted kids for so long with his second wife, and Allah could have easily given him a child, but Allah didn't until Ibrahim was 100 years old. Prophet Ibrahim didn't become impatient or ungrateful. He stayed patient because he knew Allah would answer his dua no matter what. Remember, Allah always answers a person's dua in three ways. Either He gives them whatever they want, He gives us something better than what we want, or Allah saves that dua to give us a mountain of reward in Jannah. Allah will always give you what's best for you at the time that's best for you. Because sometimes we ask for something and Allah knows we aren't ready for it. This is why sometimes Allah makes us wait. It's not wrong to want a child or to want a good paying job or huge house on the beach. But the thing is, this shouldn't be our only goal. Aren't we all like this? That usually our first goal is money, house, a car, to be able to make our parents proud and to be able to show the world how successful we are. And then we make dua to get to those goals. Well, you're doing it wrong. 
that shouldn't be your goal. Well, it definitely shouldn't be your first or main goal because then you'll never accomplish that goal. Remind yourself why you're here. Your first thing on your to-do list should be to become the best Muslim you can possibly be. That's the main reason why Allah put you on this huge rock. That's your first function as a human. Then comes everything else. Wife, house, job, kids, whatever. It's not rocket science. Making Allah happy will help you achieve all those goals. Upsetting Allah will make it very difficult to achieve those goals. So stop avoiding this truth. It's very simple. Allah happy, life happy. Allah mad, life bad. And don't lie to yourself either and think, okay, I pray five times a day, so I'm good. I did my job. Allah will help me achieve my goals now. No, praying Salah is just the beginning. That is not enough. And if you think that's enough, <laughs> then good luck, my friend. The surah in this chapter ends by stating that this message is for all humans so that they can understand what their purpose is and understand what their punishment will be if they don't accept this message. So that's where Surah Ibrahim and chapter 13 ends. Surah Al-Hijr begins in the chapter 14. 